kinds of gnarly shit. Seth is on a tear. Look at this. Look at that. Seth is looking at wieners in my books. Or his books now. The book wieners. He can have... And to Seth, I do bequeath all of my books with boners oh, in them. No, this, but this is the one about varicose vein. Hold mm-hmm. on. Uh, I, I know. I know. Hold on. That was... There's only one way to motivate Seth, and that's to hit the record button. <laughs> but that was... My question is, that was a book on varicose veins. Why would they put wieners in it? I don't know. You know what? I um I mean, there's veins in the in, wiener in wieners. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing. I guess one can get varicose veins in their wieners. <laughs> I've not gotten there yet myself, <laughs> thankfully. Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. I'm Mark, and I'm here with Seth. How are you, Seth? I'm pretty happy at the moment. Good. I'm pretty. I'm just Good. laughing. Uh, yeah, we had some silliness happen. We had. Uh, I came unprepared today, man. So we had yeah. to take a few extra moments for me to get ready. Well, yeah. I mean, you uh, you wanted to come in at one. Uh, you heard the uh, the iffiness in my voice due to the fact that I'm. Going to be trying to clean out my garage to make room for stuff in my spare room to go in the garage and also to get a garage door opener installed so that when Tim and Joey arrive here in oh, right around a month, they'll awesome. have a room to stay in. Uh, a month to today. We're recording on the 25th. Excellent, they will be excellent. flying in on Christmas Day with a couple of friends of excellent. theirs. I'm very excited about that. Tim and Joey, I'm glad to see you when you get here. Yeah, so um, it has been all hands on. I, I've got to... Got to get this shit done. Mark, a thousand mile journey starts with one step. It's true. And when you after you take that first step, all of a sudden it just kind of it kind of unfolds. I've had to twice in my life clean out an entire garage. It is a pain in the butt. When uh, just but I find that the hardest part is just doing the very first thing, and then once you're going, you're going. Got some stuff done last night. I did some some sweeping and some moving, um, posting some stuff to give some stuff away and to get stuff out of my garage. So. Uh, you know, the uh, step has begun today. Uh, it will make many more steps. Um, but yeah. Um, if you can't tell out there in listener land that things are happening, I got to get stuff done. Yes. They're, they're, he do has the a, dumb things I have to do. He has a tone. Touch the puppet head. <laughs> um, uh, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good, man. Mm-hmm. I went over to Fletcher and Kristen. Friends, I saw a picture. Friends of the, uh, of the pod. Um, uh, Kristen cooked a delightful meal good. and I hung out there for, I think 12 hours straight basically. Mm. Um, and ate with them and, and hung out with them and just kind of shot the shit and had a very, very good time. How was yours? It was one of the best Thanksgivings that I've had in a long, long time. That's great. Genuinely. My sister, uh, had everyone over to her house. She made this, she makes this really great sweet potato souffle and uh, cornbread stuffing that I haven't had in a while, and it's just outstandingly good. Um, they live right on the river, so after that was over, we hung out and we played. My brothers were there, so we played a little bit of music, and then we mm-hmm. got on the boat and went on a sunset ride on the river. And it was, and the, and the family Damn. had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Now, what everybody, what the question on everyone's mind is: what? Was Grammy Award-winning Larry Ford in the house? So. That's funny you asked, because in the last two years since my brother had his son, his his baby mm. boy, my father has been extremely happy because he likes hanging out with his grandson, his, his little boy Levi, right? And uh, Levi wasn't there. He was he was with my brother's wife at her family's Thanksgiving, and I walked in and I saw my father, and I thought he was asleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there was a, a western on the television in the in the TV room. Of course, nobody was hanging out in the TV room except him. And he had a blanket on, so I thought he was asleep. So I was like, "Well, we, this football day, the Packers were playing the Lions. I was like, we need I need to turn on the football." And uh, his eyes looked shut, so I just grabbed the remote, not thinking anything of it, and I turned the channel to the football <laughs> game. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice. Why'd you turn that off my show? And I was like, oh, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. And he was like, would you please turn it back? So I was like, 
Whoa, all right. So he's like, genuinely, you know, I was like, I hadn't seen him like that in a while. And I was like, I just, you know, I'll have that button to go He last. watches by feel. <laughs> by osmosis. Western by osmosis. He, he, he watches shows by echolocation. He's like a dolphin. He's, he's making a constant high-pitched noise that like comes a bat. back and, and tells him where... Uh, where certain actors are on cowboy the by radar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, I I put the I put it down and I looked at Back him and away he, slowly. I did. That's exactly <laughs> what I did. I, he kind of scowled at me and I was like, and I walked over and I looked over and I said, I looked at my family and I said, something wrong with him. And my mom goes, Levi's not here. I was like, oh, so I just left him alone and he just sat there. He didn't really say all that much. By the end of the evening when we were saying goodbye. His wife and children are no longer enough. <laughs> no, they haven't been for years, dude. We've 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 fallen short for decades, Mark. <laughs> so, uh well good. I'm yeah. I'm I'm glad that you had I'm glad that you had a good time and your whole family. It was really together. good. It was really fun. Despite my family famously is all dead. Oh um, sorry, Mark. But they, they but live got... with they would live with me in my heart. My I have an aunt, but I don't really talk to her so whatever. And, but you've got Fletcher and Kristen who are yes damn and good I have standbys. other dear friends Mike Cosden who invited me over to I mean I had I had I, I had no shortage of people inviting me to their place right. for Christmas even I did and Thanksgiving yeah and it's and it is you could have come to my very very appreciate I, I appreciate but you have like I said you have Fletcher and Kristen who are stalwart if nothing else oh absolutely yes, and so. they were kind enough to have me over and uh and it was amazing good I had a very good time good day uh but we're not here to talk about thanksgiving we did not we're anymore. not here to talk about football that was good we're not here to talk about any of that good stuff we're here to talk about bad stuff <laughs> we're here to talk about the song wrong way by sublime and this is a bad one this is an interesting one for mm. sure well tell me about sublime tell me about how you feel about them tell me about your history with this song okay if there so, is one can i just ask quickly um sure. your ex- exposure you, when you were first exposed to sublime how did you feel about them when you very first heard them which i'm sure is around the same time i did probably 95 94 40 ounces of freedom yeah um yes yeah um and i thought they were cool i guess i mean i thought they were all right right um they kind of did uh kind of an interesting take in my eyes to ska and reggae and okay. punk yeah. um and like having soulful lyrics and and vocals and stuff and Mike Cosden I think was a pretty big fan of 40 ounces to freedom and Robin the Hood mm-hmm. and um you know a bunch of samples and stuff um and you know i i thought it was fine it was never a hundred percent my thing then sublime came out and the the album the self-titled the eponymous album the album the album yeah the one Mm -hmm. that everyone knows the one with santeria and all that stuff on it and again you know the older i got the more i realized that they were just ripping off tons of old ska and reggae artists um pretty much straight up um and the more i i kind of started kind of being like "Eh." Mm -hmm. um but i mean initially i mean i still have some respect for him for sure um but i'm i I was never i never got i if anything i lost interest in them Mm. what about you i uh they were another one of those that when i was working at the record store in 94 95 96 it had come i had uh, 40 ounces had come out and uh when i first heard it at that time, I was Mr. Super backlash against anything that I thought was remotely hip. Um, or j- I was just trying to be cooler than everyone else. So when I heard it, uh, I didn't like it. And uh, then the album came out in 96. I wasn't working at the store at that point. And suddenly you saw a T-shirt everywhere with that sun on it. Remember it? Oh, yeah. I mean, just it's it's ubiquitous. It's, it's a, it, I mean, still to this day... People that you know populate Fort Myers Beach wear that damn shirt. It's just it People was who smell like old cigarettes and ex- beer. Boy, you got that right. Um, it it had a, it also had a hint of patchouli on it as well, which really kind of drove me away. Didn't like it. Um, my buddy Doug, who Mark has his counterpart, Mike Cos, and I have Doug, um, was into it and liked it and tried to point out to me that it was pretty good music. Um, I heard it and I was a little anti-ska when it first came out. So I, I didn't like it for that reason. And then 
years later, I quit thinking about it and other people brought up. And then I thought it was like it was because of my association with the people that were into it. I just looked at it as bro music, you know, like California bro music. And I, sure. I didn't like it for that reason. Mark, these are not good enough reasons to dislike something. Um, so I paid attention to it, especially when uh, my wife uh, played a couple of the records for me and she, you know, told me that she didn't, she didn't hate them, wasn't a huge fan, but she bought the records, she bought the CDs. And uh, I paid attention and I listened to all of them. And um, came to the conclusion that Bradley Noel wrote a pretty good song. Yeah, it's not bad. He he's a pretty good songwriter. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Um, it's just not my thing. Uh, but I'm not going to come down on this band anymore for you know me being too cool or me thinking that they're too cool. It's on the merits of what they can produce, and the guy can write a pretty decent song, in my opinion. Now, when we talk about when we talk about what we talk about, issues arise, and that's what we're here for. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have anything songwriting-wise against uh, Sublime, and I think that some of their stuff is, you know, danceable and catchy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Then there's this song. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I will say musically, I think this song is... So we did this song for live band karaoke, and it was the first inclination where I looked at the lyrics, and I was like, oh, boy. Um, and I mean, I had heard it of course before mm -hmm. and I knew the lyrics were pretty, hmm. um, but then like when, like looking at it line by line, typing it out, <laughs> feeling dirtier and dirtier. Um, but the songwriting of this song, the keys change, the key changes all over the place. It's a very hard to like fake it song. It's all over the place the the, the songwriting on the song is pretty, pretty great and pretty strange um and the trombone solo and the trombone playing by john blondell mm. is very very good it is i remember it hearing is. him being like who is this guy because i played trombone or tried to like i made believe i played trombone for a long time in a in a in a reggae and ska band myself um <clears throat> but uh yeah i mean you know sublime is a fine is a fine band they're a good band They've it unfortunately their their name has been even further tainted by the uh by the walking stillbirth that is sublime with Rome, uh, which I think might be done now, thank Christ. Yeah. Um, but you know, basically the the bassist and drummer of Sublime uh tried to do the Long Beach dub all stars, but just couldn't make the money they were making with Sublime. So they ended up getting a guy to pretend he was Bradley Noel and continue on doing sublime stuff without the, I mean, the guy who was for mo for the most part sublime. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. I mean, it would be like rush trying to continue on without getting Lee. Lee where it's like, it is not, rush. You know, yeah. I on. mean, you and I both know that, you know, there's more to rush, but I mean, when people listen to people, your casual rush listener is only going to be able to relate to that voice and that sound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, we end up here, uh, 1997, uh, was when this was released May 25th, the third single from their eponymous album. Important to note that Bradley was had passed away mm -hmm. by the time I think by the time it came out. It did, he did. Yeah, I think a couple weeks before, as a matter of fact, right. before the music video came out. Um, now the song was so the song is is released as a single, but was not sold as a single um, because the record label um, wanted people to have to buy the album. Uh, labels were getting, I think at this time, especially increasingly more and more, if people like the singles enough, like Santeria and wrong way, they'll go out and they'll spend 16 bucks on the CD, 17 bucks on the CD. And we'll just get them to do that instead of spending three bucks on the single. I was in, like I told you, working in that record in peaches records. And I watched, I think it was specifically the years that I was there. Singles vaporize. Mm. I mean, just go from, you could buy something on a single, you know, mostly it would be like Mariah Carey. You could still buy a single, but everything else that came out of the single, it just went away and you were buying the whole record. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, that's good for the record company. Sell more sales. The Wikipedia article says the song fits squarely within the punk rock inspired third wave ska movement of the 1990s. So I'll take a very quick detour here to say if you are unfamiliar about uh, with ska in in, you know, in large part. It always frustrates me when people say they don't like ska because this is the kind of thing they're thinking of when they say they don't like ska. Correct. So there is the first wave, as you know, I said third wave of ska, the first wave of ska in Jamaica in the 1950s and 60s. Ska is actually a predecessor to, to reggae. A lot of people also get that backwards and think that reggae was around and then ska, no, ska was around first mainly uh, as a celebratory music for Jamaica's independence from the United Kingdom. Uh, and then... 1964. 1964. Um, basically, a, co- a combination of American R&B and soca and calypso music from Jamaica. Have you heard of Mento? Or Mento, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, and then a bunch of Jamaican immigrants end up going over to England in the late 70s. Uh, causing a resurgence called the second wave of two-tone ska that mostly took place in England. Bands like Madness, who just released another album, The Mm. Specials, of course, their first album uh, that was produced by Elvis Costello, the great Elvis Costello. Agreed. And uh, later on, uh, some people in America said, hey, I like this music, uh, including Bucket, uh, Bucket Hingley, who's the singer uh, and principal songwriter of a band called The Toasters, who came here from England and helped kickstart Moon Records or started Moon Records and started in large part the third wave of ska, which started maybe a little more traditionally and then kind of hit California and everything went to shit. And then we got this. <laughs> and, then, and then we got this. I kid. I, uh, I, I like some third wave ska from a variety of bands but i will say the third wave of ska seems to be the the widest variety the widest varietal of ska there's could, would you say i mean is this is 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 it safe to say watered down i mean that's a very subjective way are I you think. talking about third wave or are you third talking about wave. this yes well i mean if you're talking about I, I guess it depends on what you mean by watered down if you mean watered down compared to um like a watered down version of first wave I don't know. I mean, I'd say there's more traditional sounding ska from third wave to first wave than second. Second is is entirely its own monster. Um, third wave, there is stuff like this, mm-hmm. but then there is also stuff like the Toasters. Uh, there's stuff like the Slackers, bands who really try to make it sound, you know, relatively close to, you know, closer to the original. I call this third wave uh, and people might have issue with this but i like to refer to it as lazy ska and Mm. by that i mean is that what i mean by that is that um by that time i think just the simplest elements which is the beat on the one and and the percussive guitar were uh just kind of all that was left and then you had it sped up which doesn't indicate lazy what i'm saying is the elements that you add to your song they just take the most uh uh, accessible parts of ska and add it to the rock music or whatever form or pop or beach or other reggae that they possibly could and then just went with it. I'm not saying it's bad. There's plenty of songwriting that can do that. I just think that it was a lot. They just took the good parts, which is an American thing to do, let's face it. Well, they I mean, just took I th- the good parts and then ran with it and that was it. Whereas that original ska is original. I mean, the, the first wave, you know, that's... To me, that that just seemed to pop up out of nowhere. I mean, it was just beautiful. And then the second wave is, dare I say, uh, more complicated, I feel. Oh, that's interesting. I I, I don't feel that way. You Um, don't? Wow. No, I mean, you know, I I, I think that, uh, I think third, (laughs) this is not a ska podcast, a scodcast. I'm sure that's already a thing. Uh, So I apologize. Uh, um, But I think that... You know, just like third wave or just like second wave before it, third wave just basically took what makes ska ska, which is basically the offbeats, and then mixed it with whatever they had going on there at the time that they were all into. And I mean, that's, you know, that's what happens everywhere with everything. Everybody takes stuff and, and mixes it with whatever makes sense to their culture and kind of makes a bastardized version of it. 
Um, you know, which is one of the things that's made me become less and less of a, a quote unquote grammar Nazi is the realization that language like music is fluid and evolves it naturally. It has to, I mean, there's, there's no way of getting around it. We use words today that we used when we were young that mean completely different things now. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's just the way it is. Um, so this song is, I mean, the lyrics to it, uh, tell a tale. So, I don't think that any of us, uh, well, I will say that the bassist of uh, Sublime has said, and I quote, wrong way is about a girl that we knew in Long Beach. It's almost a true story. Mm. So that's unfortunate. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the the fact that I don't know, <laughs> the, the lyrics of the song are so fucking weird and so gross. Mark, I'm going to be honest. I uh, I know most of the song uh, through the lyrics and paying attention to them in the past. I never have read them. And as a matter of fact, to be honest with you, I still have not read them. I just remember hearing specific lines that made me uh, perk up and, you know, pay attention and go, that's something not quite right about that, you know. And uh, I'm going to go over actually reading them and digging them with you right now and dissecting them i i did not dissect them before that i mean i just knew of specific lines that uh, kind of raise your hackles so to speak mm-hmm. so yeah and i again I, I don't think this is anyone saying that bradley noel is the person who did this um you know he was uh married and um you know i know his wife still champions his stuff i'm sure that he was uh not not the main character in this song but if you've never listened to the lyrics of the song i'm sure it's popped up somewhere you've been um so let's get into it uh we get the first verse annie's 12 years old into more she'll be a whore nobody ever told her it's the wrong way don't be afraid with the quickness you get laid for your family get paid it's the wrong way i gave her all that i had to give I'm going to make it hard to live. Salty tears running down to her chin and it ruins up her makeup and never one give. It'd be a lot easier to digest uh, these lyrics if they weren't played with such a happy-go-lucky rhythm and jumpy beat, you know? Because that's just some sad shit right out of the gate, Mark. I mean, talking about 12 years old and then in two more she'll be a whore. That's some that's some terrible terrible shit. I don't know why we have to start two years before she becomes a whore. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there there's no reason for us to start early. <laughs> the whole story. I mean, just from a song songwriting or just from a storyline narrative, there's no reason to start at twelve. Right. Everything happens from fourteen on. Pretty much. Yeah. Why go retroactive? <laughs> it it, just it like, doesn't make any sense. You're right. We also did watch the music video, which we'll talk about, um, and its yeah. wildness. Um, I guess maybe because two years before she became a whore, um, and you know, again, I know that, I know that these were different times, but I feel weird even saying that word, um, with how much, uh, how far we've come as far as like pop or what's the word I want to use, um, being more understanding of sex work and being more, sex work positive or sex work understanding mm, i do understand where you're coming from mark but, but that's i mean not what's it going definitely gets some attention I mean, it definitely pulls your you know she's 12 years old and two more she'll be a whore you're like whoa yeah, like 14 years old should not be engaging in that no kind of no commerce, no you know no. so yeah there's there's pro this is where the problems pop up but you're right um going retroactive and pointing out that she's 12 years old why in the hell would you, would you do that? If you look at the second line, uh, nobody ever told her it's a wrong way. It's the wrong way would give you reason to believe that there's someone that there's someone sticking up for. There's a there's there's just there's something just in the song. You know, hey, there's no uh, he's pointing out the um, he's pointing out what's wrong. What you know that that at four, maybe at fourteen nobody ever gave this girl any indication that moving into this line of work to taking on this burden. And let's say that that's what it is because it indicates that later in the song. 
um, is it, this is a bad thing. So maybe no, he's no positive, up, uh, no positive source in her life. Yeah. Well, that's coming. I mean, you're just talking about if we took away the 12 years old and she's, you know, oh, and people she's are coming. Be, all right. Yeah. That, well, it, it, it's it's going to happen. Um, but you would get an indication of maybe there's something that there's somebody sticking up for the narrator might be sticking up. Well, for I think, her. I think what I think the I think here we're we're finding out that that's shockingly what is not does not exist. It's it's highlighting the presence of a lack of positive role model in her life. Okay. It's like there's no one here right. to tell her. <clears throat> like, and I mean, we get in when we get into the family dynamic here in a little bit. We'll find out kind of why. I mean, it's, you know, I guess maybe she's not going to school. Who knows? Yeah. Um, there's If you've ever grown up in a neighborhood like this, which I'm sure Long Beach was. Yeah. Don't know. be afraid with the quickness you get laid. Um, I guess, I mean, it's kind of a weird. <laughs> <clears throat> well, let's just let's just go ahead and say this. These lines are disgusting. I mean, this whole song is disgusting. It is. These lines are disgusting. I know we're probably gonna, we're probably going to, um, you know, recoil after every line said. But it's a very strange thing to say. Don't be afraid with how fast you get laid. Um, and and then the reason that you should not be afraid is because your family will get paid. And then kind of reminding you again it's it's the wrong way by the way in case you were wondering i'm not doubting that this is the I'm wrong so way comfort that he lended that he ended the verse on that uh, on that on that little bit of uh comfort i think he tries to say that over and over again to tell the listener like we know this sucks mm. we know this is gross who's he convincing um and mm. it, you know and then we get <clears throat> we get the main that's protagonist. Mark, that, it really gives me chills that don't be afraid line yeah, it really does. Yeah, I mean, it's like he's speaking right to the her, creep you know? factor is. Yeah, this <clears throat> I, foreshadowing. This might be my highest creep factor. Mm, maybe, yeah, maybe. I gave her so now we now we're kind of talking about the protagonist slash narrator here, who really tries to come off like he's a a good guy here. Just one second. Yeah, that last line in the first verse fam, for your family get paid. That is foreshadowing. Pay oh, close yeah, attention yeah. to that. Well, now, I mean, we're talking about the horror thing. Oh, yeah. So but, we're not just talking about horror for the sake of like she's just a nymphomaniac. But more anything. on the, more elaboration about, on that on that line comes oh, later yeah, yeah. in the song. So okay, I gave her all that I had to give. I'm gonna make it hard to live. It's a little confusing. Now I'm gonna make it hard <laughs> to live is a very strange line to me. It does have a genius annotation that says he's going to make sure that she knows there is other options despite how she's grown up. I don't know how that means that. I don't either. I don't either. I, I, I'm i going to make it hard to live is a very weird line, mm -hmm. and I do not agree with that genius annotation. Uh, there are no thumbs up or thumbs downs. I don't think anyone else. As a matter of fact, I'm going to thumbs down it right now, you mm. fucker. Um, <clears throat> exacting his vengeance. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. I'm exacting my fucking vengeance. So I, I don't, I, I, it's a very weird line. I'm going to make it hard to live. Um, not entirely sure. I want to come back to this first line as we get further on, because I want to know he's going to gave her all that he have to give. I want to see some evidence of that later on in the song. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, is this just uh, convenient songwriting, uh, you know, coming up with lines that, uh, that, that rhyme in order to make it through, in order to plow forward with the rest of the topic, with the rest of the content. I don't know. Salty tears running down her chin, and it ruins. Actually, Mark, let's go back to that. I'm gonna make it hard to live. What the fuck does that mean, man? <laughs> uh, that's that's. I mean, so I, I guess I will say I think what maybe upon further inspection, I think maybe what the narrator is trying to say is that by telling her that she can leave her family. And do her own thing. Okay. She is going, he is going to make it hard on the family. Mm. He's going to make it hard for them to live. Or even for possibly. her to accept the guilt of like abandoning them. She might feel. Yeah. Like, you she, know, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Like she's just been maybe. doing what they, what she's been told. And now that she's really realizing she has free will. Yeah. Kind of like, think of like the, uh, think of the Catholic and the Protestant churches 
when uh, <laughs> uh, existentialism came around. Okay. And people being like, whoa, like, if God's dead, I can do anything I want. Right. And then being like, whoa, 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 no. <clears throat> yeah. No, you can't. Hold on, you got bills to but pay. But wait a minute, hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we need money here. Salty Tears Running Down to Her Chin. Uh, Salty Tears is a reference to a song called Big Salty Tears. Really? By a band called the Ziggins. And the Ziggins were a uh, ska band that was signed to Sublime's Skunk Records label. I think they're a ska band. Mm. The Ziggins sounds like a ska band. It does, yeah. Um, so Certainly a little bit of like promotion, yeah. uh, members of the Ziggins also appear in the music video, probably, uh, her family as we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, Led Ziggins. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ruins up her makeup and never one give. So, uh, this sucks. Do not like the makeshift Jamaican colloquialism. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we do or not the makeshift need patois, any, I should yeah, say. we do not need any. White man patois. Thank you. Please and thank you. This is this is right Stick up there the with wearing uh, fake dreadlocks under a tam. <laughs> you know, it's right up there with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm it, sure people it, in Jamaica love that when a guy gets off the cruise boat with that hat on. Yeah, and I mean, and it ruins up her makeup and never one gives. So in patois, I'm, I'm guessing that means she doesn't want to have sex maybe or... Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to give something. So I, I, time, that's the closest I can guess. Her, yeah. So I don't know. Guys, those are the least disgusting lyrics in the song. Here we go. So then we get verse two. A cigarette pressed between her lips, but I'm staring at her tits. It's the wrong way. Strong if I can, but I am only a man. So I take her to the can. It's the wrong way. The only family that she's ever had is her seven horny brothers and a drunk-ass dad. He needed money, so he put her on the street. Everything was going fine until the day she met me. Okay. So that brings us... Remember I said I was going to go back to it. I think that brings us back to the second line in hook one. I'm going to make it hard to live. Until she met me, you know, her dad put her on the street. We're going to go back, but I just want to address this now. Uh, everything was going fine until that for them, I think he's talking about for the seven brothers sure, and the father, sure. you know, oh, somebody's pl- getting, it was some going income. according to plan. Yeah. Somebody's. And then, oh, now I'm popping in here and, uh, whether I'm being, you know, the crusader that's going to come take her away, you know, or just some dirt bag that's going to wind up turning her out again. It doesn't matter. That's why I'm the he's sticking the spokes. Th- yeah. That's why he's making it hard to live. So I'm okay. the proverbial wrench in the gears. So we've got a, we do have, uh, he, he, we do have an explanation for the I'm going to make it hard to live. So that's a little clearer now. Now back to uh, the extremely problematic beginning to verse two. <clears throat> uh, a cigarette pressed between her lips actually evokes kind of a uh, uh, it's 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 good songwriting in that everything that you know up to that is now you get this vision of this young girl sitting there. It's the second time you've hit the mic. I know. I don't know. Why what's are going you on. so it's mad? Some sort of my hands. Your, yeah, your hand. Off. <laughs> wired um it, it, it paints a picture of this girl working on the street cigarette you know sure. it, it paints okay. a picture of a working right. girl so nothing terribly wrong with it it's actually decent songwriting in my opinion kind of i mean 14 year old smoking's a bummer yeah but i mean but it is an accurate representation of of us of a sex worker who what is you would think stereotypically i suppose sure. you know so sure. it's something and like you said vivid vivid lyric writing but then it just all goes south but I'm staring at her tits. It's the wrong way. And then yeah, as if he's it's, trying to justify it, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, and then strong if I can, like he's Yoda, but I am only a man. So now he's saying like, look, come on. I'm, I'm looking up the, 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 I know she's 14, but come on. I'm only, I'm only a guy. <laughs> like, I, I'm. All right, this is... I'm looking something <clears throat> Like Mark. Donald Trump saying, uh, you know, oh, this is just locker room talk. This is just how it goes. Even the uh, Genius article says, the protagonist attempts to rationalize having sex with a 14-year-old prostitute. And <clears throat> that's uh, that's exactly what he's trying to do. So I just looked up a, uh, a definition 
on uh, on Wikipedia. It's something that I've always wanted to do. And tell me uh, what this what what it, we're, we're going to do a Jeopardy thing here, Mark. I'm going to give you the answer. You give me the question. Uh, the ability of people, typically senior officials or someone in command, in a formal or informal situation, to deny knowledge of or responsibility for actions committed by or on behalf themselves or the members of the organizational hierarchy. What do you? What is that? I don't know. Plausible deniability. Mm. Okay, so, but I am only a man. <clears throat> Get my drift. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, you know, oh, but I'm only a guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's an argument. He, I mean, he, yeah, it's he, a shitty argument. It's definitely an argument he's an making. Argument. Yeah. He is. He has made the choice to make that argument. Yeah. Um, That's the road he's taking. So. Kind of interesting in the in the comments. There is an argument about whether or not she is 14 at this point, um, because someone says her age at this point is open to interpretation. We only know that she was put on the street as a kid, but not that the narrator first encountered her then. The song says time has passed since then. Everything was going fine until the day she met me. So all we really know is he didn't meet her on day one of her forced prostitution, but her age remains an open question. Mm. Uh, that sounds to me like someone who wants to be able to jerk off listening to the Plausible song. Plausible deniability. <laughs> I mean, I get where you, where they're coming from, and I'm, I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong, but to even like be like thinking about that, I mean is a very strange thing. I, I Again, I think the fact that he mentions 12 and then 14, I think that that setup probably says that we're, we're, we're getting there at 14. Mm. We're, we're, you know, maybe that's the purpose of the 12 and 14. I never meant to jerk off with a sock, but please don't go on my sock drawer to find out. <laughs> um, I, I, and this is every indicator right here that Bradley truly is a romantic, that after he rationalizes all this, he says, so I take her to the can, which is, like I said, the most romantic place to have a rendezvous. Now, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. So to the can mm -hmm. is the bathroom. That's the bathroom. Yes, yes. For some reason, I always thought it meant ass sex. <laughs> okay. Now, I don't know why. <laughs> um. I, man, I think if you were to watch any video on MTV from 1997 to 2000, they're always somebody doing it, you know, like having a grind session in a bathroom. It was a really Bathrooms common were very thing. popular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think because there are stalls, so there's a little bit of privacy there, yeah. uh, maybe. But uh, I've never had. Well, I've you never can hear it, but can you see sex. it? Yeah. Um, then we get into kind of what we were talking about before. The only family that she's ever had is there seven horny brothers and a drunk-ass dad. So being brought up around uh, horny brothers. It's, so in the music video, there is a guy who is playing the the part of the father who looks like a clown. Decked out in a clown, wa a clown wig and a red nose. Indeed. Um, now this is... Uh, a pornography producer named Maestro Claudio. Great. Uh, the girl is played by Bijou, Bijou Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, I know. That was weird. Which is insane. That is. And if that name sounds familiar at all, she was in uh, a couple of films, including Almost Famous and Bully, The Door in the Floor. She was in Hostel Part 2. She was in Choke. She was on a TV series called Raising Hope. Um, and the daughter of one. Papa John Phillips. Indeed. Yep. Um, so you've got all these horny brothers. Um, the seven horny brothers, the seven dwarves, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Uh, one who Dopey, is a dark-skinned black guy. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and that's not for, I mean, I don't know if these are adopted brothers or or I don't know what the relationship is Well, that's here. from the video. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking a little bit about yeah. the video here. Yeah. So um, I don't know what's I don't know what's going on there, and I'm guessing I don't know if Horny Brothers is supposed to be hinting mm. off that they were like sexually inappropriate to her. Everything in this song gives tells you that it's a hint. And all you had opinion. to do was say like seven older brothers. Yeah, but they had to be had to be horny. In the video, they look at her and like you know kind of give well, her you know like give yeah. her a business you know like in the very beginning smacking her on the butt or something. She's, 
bent over on her hands and knees and they're looking cleaning the floor with a uh with a sponge or something for some reason yeah. no it's a sponge because she she rings it out that's right that's and right. one of the horny brothers is behind her and i don't know exactly what's yeah. going on there but it doesn't look good uh he needed money situation. so he put her on the street and as we mentioned before everything was going fine until the day she met me so this guy comes along and and ruins the plan he says Hey, you shouldn't be a prostitute. You should just have sex with me for no money. How do you know that he's not turning her out back on the street again? Well, you know, I mean, he could be. Because we get that, you know. Could be giving I her a, a more significant cut. May I or less? I don't know. Let's, uh, let's move forward and see if there are any answers. Happy are you sad? Want to shoot your dad? I'll do anything I can the wrong way. We talk all night. Tried to make it right. Believe me, shit was tight. It was the wrong way. Don't run away if you want to stay, because I ain't here to make you. Oh, no. It's up to you what you really want to do. Spend some time in America. Dub style. I will say a lot of these lyrics are just kind of jammed in there. Yeah. Happy are you sad? I mean, now, I, I, I I can't speak to exactly how it sounds, but I think every time I ever, like saying this if we ever did in live band karaoke or when i picture it i picture him saying are you happy are you sad but the lyrics here show happy are you sad <laughs> I, maybe her name is happy no it's annie um want to shoot it's your dri- dad I think it's driving at the are you happy are you sad yeah i think that's what you but the want to shoot your i mean because it well, just fits easier into the want to shoot your dad which i think is the you know the uh the focal point of the first line of this uh, verse you know, I, I when I heard that all the time, that was I immediately couldn't think about the rest of the lines. I just thought, man, this guy's talking about shooting her dad. The genius annotation says he is caught in between just wanting to fuck this girl, but trying to help her as well. He stayed up all night listening to her problems, but just ends up having sex, which was tight. So he feels kind of bad despite his sleeping with her. It seems he mostly wants to rescue her from this life. Seems they stayed up discussing the murder, which was the wrong way to free her, believing that it was tight as in cool or a good plan. So this person kind of mentions the tight being two different things. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, believe me, shit was tight is definitely a weird phrase to use here. It kind of is. Because we don't know exactly what that means. No, it could. I mean, he could have. I mean, he's, he's trying to fit the rhyme scheme, and I do understand that, but. It, it it is definitely open to interpretation and a lot of the song is yeah i mean there's not not a lot of the song but there are other things in the song that that definitely are and yeah this one's questionable once again mark if you're looking at if you're invoking the hoffman clause that's some pretty decent songwriting what is the 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 way it works we talk all night tried to make it right believe me shit was tight it's the wrong way i think that's decent you know uh, the the rhyme scheme and the way he build every you know puts the rhyme everything scheme is together. Good. I, I I mean I just wish it was a little bit. I, I I wish it was a little bit clearer, because shit was tight as in like um everything was good between us, is fine. Right. Shit was tight like he's talking about her having a tight vagina, in the middle of talking about be... how awful all this stuff is, is is shitty. Could be shit was a tight situation to get get out of you know we did you know mm, we are true. addressing shooting somebody maybe we should maybe we shouldn't that's a tight situation so maybe there is a justification now from any indication of what we've talked about before you would go with your first explanation but you know it it, it is it is open to interpretation he also I says suppose. i'll do anything i can the wrong way yeah. which is to say like whatever i can do as long as it sucks as long as it's as long as it's what I should not be doing, which I'm already sitting here and fucking a 14-year-old mm. or someone right around the age of 14. Mark, are these positive lyrics? Don't run away if you want to stay because I ain't here to make you oh, oh, no. Are so those, <clears throat> how do you how do we take that? I, I think he's saying, look, if you're if you're happy in the situation you're in. So this guy goes and picks up this prostitute, right? has sex with her. Then she's like, I'm 14. My parent. My, my my father pimps me out and I have seven horny brothers and he's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to like get out of there? And then he fucks her again, probably. Right. And she was like, 
you know, going through. I mean, you know, I think we've got a case of like Stockholm syndrome here. Oh, she's you know, I think that it's an awful situation she's in. But we all have known someone who's been in a bad situation. Oh, yeah. But you go with the devil, you know. And so you stick with it yeah. and and you just keep keep on keeping on. Mm-hmm. And so I think here he's saying, like, you know, don't look if you want to stay in the situation you're in. I'm not here to make you go, but I'm here to help you out if you want to get out of the situation. I just don't want to impart any sort of nobility on this guy. But I mean, maybe there's maybe there's a clue as to it. I'm not sure. It's up to you. What you really want to do just takes that a step further. But what the fuck does spend some time in America? Does that mean like we're going to go on the road and get away from all this? So I, I would be remiss if I did not mention that. It's up to you. What you really want to do is a line in a in a special song called "It's Up to You." Hmm. Um, it's up to you what you really want to do. Uh, so they they took that line straight from uh, a special song, probably an homage, homage to the specials. I mean, but spend some time in America. Bradley Knoll's a good songwriter, man. Yeah, I think he is. He's good. I mean, other than the very it's sketchy fun. subject matter, the guy's a good... But he, he's ripped a lot of people off, first thing, it should be known. And second off, I mean, a lot of the stuff... Like, Santeria is literally verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Oh, yeah. And that's it. I mean, some of the stuff is, is okay, and I mean, some of the stuff is very What catchy. I got is two goddamn chords. Yeah. But a lot of songs are two chords. Man. You yeah. Know what I mean? It's, it's a, what they do with yeah. the chords, I guess. Anyway... Um, America is considered the home of the free and he wants her to realize that she can be free from her father in this forced lifestyle if that's what she really wants is what it says. Mark, uh, well, yeah. before we go any further, there's a note on the trombone solo. Mm. The trombone solo for this song was played by Austin Jazz for John Blondell. Oh, that was, we talked about that at the beginning. We did. Who you can see in the video, iconic solo is an interpolation of the scene from George Carwin's, George Gershwin, George Carl. George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Rhapsody in Blue is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's great that they got a... I mean, I always kind of wondered who did this trombone solo. That's been one of the coolest things for me because he plays in a very, very high register. It it is a very, very good trombone solo. Um, So we get that, and then we, uh, we jump into another verse. She'll give you all that she's got to give, but I'm gonna make it hard to live. Big salty tears rolling down to her chin, and it smears up her makeup and never won give. So we ran away, and I'm sorry when I say that straight to this very day, it was the wrong way. She did the hike, don't matter if I like it or not, because she only wants the wrong way. I gave her all that I had to give. She still wouldn't take it. Whoa, no. Her two brown eyes are leaking like a sieve. And it still ruins her makeup and never one give. Are we just going to jump over that? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's basically, I mean, this time instead of ruins up her makeup, it smears up her makeup. Um, But everything else is pretty much, uh, I mean, she'll give you all that she's got to give um, is kind of an interesting line. I, I guess it means that she'll fuck you with tenacity. Mm. Mm. Or that there's no surprises or mystery to her. She just yeah. give you whatever she want, whatever you want. I think she's gonna fuck you hard. Yeah, I mean that too. I mean uh, that might go hand in hand. Maybe I don't know. Hand in glove. Yeah. Hand in pocket. So, so we ran away, and I'm so so. She made the decision to leave. Yeah. I mean that's so, yeah, so that's we the ran away from the first line of the first four. And I'm sorry when I say that straight to this very day, it was the wrong way. So, I, I, I mean, is he saying that she made the wrong decision from leaving her pimp brother or father and her seven horny brothers that were ogling at her? I think we're seeing it from the rescuer's perspective at this thing that this time that trying to fix a what I'm going to guess somebody that's been turned out by her father might you know be more than your average joe on the street can handle psychologically you know trying to repair yeah. this situation the girl needs she's got a there's there's some there needs to be some professional help imparted on this human being yeah and just some guy wanting to rescue her especially a guy that's going to take her to the can to have sex probably not uh, going to unfold uh, easy or beautifully or there's not going to be roses a bed of roses that they run away on 
Yeah, you know, this calls in a calls in a question. A couple. I mean, this is interesting. You got a a a, a girl, a girl who is with her father that is pimping her out, surrounded by brothers who do not give a shit about her. And then this calls into what is the best, if you have to choose between her being stuck in that situation or being taken from that situation by a guy who is paying for sex with her to save her from it and for her to be released into the world um, to be with neither the John that she left uh, her father for um, or her father that she's in a third other place somewhere in America, spend mm-hmm. some time in America. Away from style. Long Beach. Yeah. Um, which is the better situation for her, man? That I mean, is who, one of the, who are we to say, but that's, but no, you're, you bring up probably one of the best questions. This girl only knows one way of living at this point, you know, having been turned out at a young age, who's to say that she's going to go out there and all of a sudden get a re you know, a a hard, a a blue collar job, be a waitress when she knows that she can just fall back on. I can make money so easily if I just do this again, even though this guy's trying to, you know, help me out and get out of it. He's, you know, being a little crusader that he wants to be, but it doesn't, it typically doesn't turn out that way from what I've seen, Mark. Yeah, there's a pretty succinct kind of uh, lineup here. It says, despite the narrator's best efforts, gave her all I had to give. Annie was not interested in being saved, quote unquote, from her life of forced prostitution. She still wouldn't take it. She leaves the narrator, did the hike, and ends up back on the street. She only wants the wrong way. The only life she's ever known. I think it's pretty accurate. I think that's pretty spot on. Yeah. yeah I don't know why we even do this fucking podcast. <laughs> um yeah, because she only wants the wrong way. She only knows one one way of living now. And, uh, you know, though I though I have no problem with sex work at all, um, I think like a situation like this where someone feels like it's all they can do and all they're, they, they're left thinking it's all they're good at because it's all they've really ever done because they were forced into it at a young age. Definitely has maybe some... you need to be a little bit more mature before you enter into the trade. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, being forced into it by your father is uh, its own special kind of fucked up. I gave her all that I had to give. She still wouldn't take it. Whoa, no. And this is another. I mean, you know, like the, the narrator here, I can't help but question his reasons because I know he's trying to come off semi altruistic here. Like, look. Like I'll I'll save you if you want," says the guy paying her to have yeah, sex with her when she's it rings hollow. underage. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, all right, <laughs> you know, it's like why should she trust you? Like you're you're just as fucked up and just as gross. Like you know the 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 father prostituting her out wouldn't be successful if no one paid to have sex with a fucking fourteen year old. Mm. But here we are. <laughs> Spend some time in America. <laughs> Um, her two brown eyes are leaking like a sieve and it still ruins her makeup and never one give. And then, and then we're done. It's a hard life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, describe somebody that this, this song is one long description of an extremely fucked up situation for a young lady. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, a very, very terrible played to such a happy four, four beat. Yeah, I mean, really, in several key changes. Yeah, somebody talked. We've, we've brought up this before. You know, what's the saddest song with it that the music sounds so happy? This is one of them, dude. Yeah, the story is similar to inner city kids who aren't exposed to proper education and fall into bad lifestyles. Annie's story indicates that it's hard to escape the only life you've ever known growing up. It demonstrates that people in these situations who are never shown the right way to live shapes them for who they are and are placed in a cycle that is difficult for them to get out of. And I mean, you know, I would like to say that, well, she was able to get out of this one. But I mean, again, in reality, who is saving her? A guy that was paying to have sex with her when she was I I, I kind of disagree teenager. with that. I don't think that she probably, by the end, they're, we're given an indication that she just wants to go back to the life. 
not really coming out of it. You know, maybe like you said, the devil, you know, maybe it's the lesser of that could be the case. Now she's making and keeping all of her own money as opposed to forking it over to her shitty family. But, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there is no happy ending to this song at all in any way. No, um, no, it's, um, uh, it's miserable. Yeah. Uh, the music video we have to mention has a cameo, a very brief cameo uh, from Angelo Moore, uh, the singer and saxophone player Fishbone. of Fishbone, and also the great Mike Watt, bassist of the Minutemen, Firehose, and many other acts. Mm. Um, we were both looking at him, and he's he's with somebody else. We don't know who playing uh, a... Um, I think that's the bass player. A gas station clerk, maybe. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Eric Wilson guy, I'm pretty. I think that's him. Yeah, he looks a lot different now. My, uh, I don't know if you see. If anybody out there has seen the video, you're looking at a considerably. He's gray haired in this, but he's considerably younger looking back then. I think the bass player had hair back then, but doesn't anymore. Um, they, uh, Mike Watt, has aged considerably since this video. Um, oh yeah, he's been through. Oh man, some hard. He's times. been through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a great bass player, one that Mark and I both grew up with listening to and admiring. As a matter of fact, I think the first concert that you and I went to together was Mike Watt. Do you remember that? I do. We went up there with Mike and uh, and somebody else. Who was it? Uh, I can't remember. Like Scotty. We saw the pair of pliers. Tour. Yeah, we saw the pair of pliers tour. Gregory Dark, the guy who um, directed this uh, music video, is an adult uh, film director. So we've got someone who works in the adult film industry directing and playing the the father. So that's, mm. I don't know, I guess it's just the kind of know, people they guy, were rolling around with. Yeah, that guy in the video, he just looks bad in every way. And I'm not just talking about the, the, um, the makeup, the hair and the nose. Just something about that that guy in this video. I think if you were to take it off, you'd still probably catch the same vibe from him. Not saying that knowing what I know about him in retrospect. He really does look very fucking creepy. Gregory Dirk's films uh, won him accolades such as being, quote, the Steven Spielberg of the softcore set and the Martin Scorsese of the erotic thriller. Great. Well, all right. Whatever. Hey, you know. Just take what you can get. Uh, let's let's creep factor this fucker. Here it is in 2014, and I still hear this song on the radio. I think the wrong way means sometimes we choose uh, what we do so we can cope with life's bad times or just survive. Love the song. Um, yeah, it probably does ring true in that case um, that we have to, as Mark said, go with the devil you know or or not. You know, choose the lesser of two evils. I don't. I don't. This. Uh, this song. I just can't say it. I, even in the music video, the guy that's like driving her around looks like a fucking scuzz bucket. Mm-hmm. And again, being saved by, I, I mean, I think it's hard to get out of a cycle for sure. We've proven that many times over, not just with like a job you do or whatever, but also people smoking or eating bad or doing drugs or whatever. It's Anything. hard when you get into a cycle to get out of it. Yeah. But I can't stress this enough. Trying to get out of that cycle um, and that and that cycle being broken by a guy who literally paid for your services in that cycle that you're trying to break is, dare I say, the wrong way that contributed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that contributed to the bad behavior. It's the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, or the bad. I don't want to say bad behavior to the to what to the to the detrimental to the detriment of the of the of the girl of the person that he's singing about, it doesn't help at all. I need you to know that I bought some dark chocolate and mint Kit Kats. Oh, the um, because bomb. I can't find them around here anymore, and they just got delivered, and I'm very excited. I know. Um, let's keep uh, them from. We got to go creep factor because I don't want those things. To I know melt. that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at. All right. Even <laughs> though it is a a, a a cool 72 degrees outside here in Southwest Florida. Beautiful, beautiful. I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't have to go back through these words. You don't um, have to do much. No, no because we're not going to take the, the third person route here. We're just going to take them at face value. Like like Adam and Logan came back here, and we're just going to take them at face value. We said when they were on with their episode, we're just taking it at face value, taking it right here. Um, this song in every fucking way, shape, and form is creepy and uh, terrible and absolutely terrible. 
Um, and that, that you're, you're listening, in my opinion, to a narrator that's just trying to justify all of his bad actions and make himself feel good. And, uh, and everything is about him. It's really not about her. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't think it's necessarily about saving anything. I think it's about, um, you know, him trying to capitalize on a situation or making himself feel better or rationalizing his bad behavior. And that, really sucks and then it also to compound all that you're getting from the perspectives of her family who have done complete completely horrific and terrible things to it just it just compounds it and you're right mark this is going to go this is this is going to set the record this is going to be right up there i suppose you could say that every time he does try to rationalize saying i'm going to get you out of this situation it it's a little bit of a it, it ameliorates it slightly but it doesn't because like i said i think it's a guy just trying to rationalize his bad behavior and 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 uh so for that my god mark you're right when you're really thinking about this one we got to go i got to go 9.6 on this one yeah you do i mean you do horrible things have happened to this girl if you if your lead off is forced prostitution of a 14 year old by her father it's pretty hard to come down from anything under a nine just based off of that. So, I mean, Jesus Lord, what can you do? Um, I'll go with a 9.7. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. I didn't think you're ever going to go higher than that. I mean, it uh, honestly, I was almost considering giving a nine, nine. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I think the only thing that keeps it from being that is because the song is more sad than it is creepy, I think, at the yeah. end. So it, I, that's <laughs> that's sadness. But the you big can dance salty to it, tears Mark. rolling down to my chin, uh, smearing up my makeup and never one give. Ugh. Jesus Christ. That just sucks. It does. Um, all right. <clears throat> we uh, next up. What we want to do. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> We're going to talk. We're going to talk about it. Going to talk about. We're going to talk about Jack and Diane by John Mellencamp. Oh, okay. So, so this was brought up by. Am I correct in assuming Terry Lynn? Yes, Terry Lynn. Yes. Terry Lynn. Yeah. Okay. Yes, she did bring it up, and uh, and yeah, you know what? I mean, I knew. Um, I knew, but I didn't. I, I knew, but I never really put it together. Oh. I I put it together. I just didn't know if it was one that we were ever going to cover for whatever reason. Yeah, we should. But, but we should. Yeah, we totally should. This I is, mean, we should we should talk about it just for the the big line that everyone wants to knows talk about this anyway. Damn song. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it is true that the the lyrics do get pretty muffled up except for the the sucking on chili dogs. Right. Which <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about that line yeah. in and of itself, but Seth, this was fun. Yeah, it was good. It was a good. I think you can hear the real, the calm and the relaxation, the sedation oh, in our voices. Nice a little Saturday bit of that morning. turkey hangover. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, still feeling it. Um, still, my blood type is still gravy. <laughs> gravy. Mine's cranberry. Yeah, I didn't have any cranberry sauce. Oh, you didn't? No, they made. I got to go get some for my leftovers, though. My sister made this really killer a cranberry pretzel oh. dessert with it had cranberry sauce. With uh, with whipped cream and pretzels to it. Okay, it was unreal. It was weird, man. It I was, just want to say for those of you that do not like cranberry sauce, let me just plead with you for a moment. Here's what cranberry sauce brings to the table, and I'll talk specifically about jellied cranberry. All right, because fine, I'm still fine with with regular cran. I'll take cranberry as ever comes. Am I a cranberry juice guy? No, I'm not. Too tart, too whatever it is, bitter kind I like of. It. Uh, it's fine, but I, I mean, I could drink a glass of it in the morning on ice, maybe to prevent UTIs or what have you. Mm -hmm. But let me let me offer this: the flavor profile and the juxtaposition between salty and savory, with a little bit of that tart, is what it's all about, baby. I agree. I'm not saying you should spend three minutes just cutting through your cranberry sauce and eating it. But you get yourself a big scoop of mashed potatoes and you mix it in with some green beans or corn. You stab on the end of that fork a little bit of that turkey, 
with some gravy. And then you put on just a little bit of that cranberry sauce. That's heaven, boys. Have have you ever done the the That's heaven, girls. the post Thanksgiving Thanksgiving sandwich the day after? Oh, absolutely. I think this is what you're describing. Absolutely. You're making that sandwich and it your little turkey, like you said, the mashed potatoes, the dressing. You can even throw some damn green beans on there. You put it all on there. Love a green. And then bean. there's something about that damn cranberry that just sets it over yeah. the top. In that it just you can it cuts through and it's just like it's wow because it's not savory and salty it makes the savory and salty even savorier and saltier yeah uh, much like the wishbone pizza at Nice Guys which is my oh, yeah, favorite yes. pizza of all time yes I think that is my favorite pizza of all time is it yeah still gonna say something like it hot but I'm not gonna argue for long yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's yeah. fine yeah so joy yeah. thank you so much listener. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, many happy returns to you and to yours. I've been watching the uh, new HBO docu-series uh, Love Has Won about Mother God, this uh, crazy like cult out on the West Coast, and uh, it's fascinating. I need to check it out. You should check it out. Uh, we will be back next Monday talking about John Cougar Mellencamp's this is back in the Cougar days. Mm-hmm. Jack and Diane on yet another episode of Lyrics to Go. Somewhere between my mouth and your ears. Some words got lost. The idea wandered on. Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics to go pod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>